The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Dr. Seuss. There are thousands upon thousands of amazing, helpful books out there. My goal is to read them and share how we can implement the wisdom to improve our lives, the lives of the animals, and even help save the world. Welcome to Zoo Notable, taking wisdom from self-improvement, conservation, and animal-related books, and using them to help us become the best versions of ourselves. Whether you are an animal care professional or just a lover of nature and life, Zoo Notables helps you grow and level up your life. Welcome, welcome everyone to another Zoo Notable special edition for Plastic Free July. I'm PJ with ZooFit and I have a wonderful special guest tonight. We're going to be discussing how to get rid of our plastic waste with, uh, with the woman who wrote the book herself on reducing our plastic waste. Julia Goldstein. Uh, Julia, hello. Good to see you again. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. I'm glad to have a chance to chat with you. I've been a materials geek for decades and more recently really thinking about how we use materials, how we use them to make products, use those products, and what do we do with them when we're done? I decided that people just needed some guidance because people are confused, the system's changed, and I'd like to help provide a path through. Now, you actually have two books. Can you just, can you talk us uh, just a little bit about, you know, what your two books are and what do you do outside of being a, a an author? Yes. My primary business is JLFG Communications, which is about helping companies communicate their messages to their customers. As far as the books, the first one is called Material Value. And it's really about how stuff is made, especially focusing on metals and plastics and how it can be made better. There's progress being made. So I highlight some of the scary problems, but I really like to have guarded optimism and a focus on solutions. The readers of my first book, I just sensed that they wanted something a little more focused on what can they do, something a more practical guide. And so the second book, Rethink the Bins, that came out in November 2020, is exactly that. It's a concise guide that talks about where does your stuff go when it leaves the curb? What do you need to know the basics about recycling and composting? And it tells you how to handle 10 different common types of household waste that you're going to see. Again, what we're going to be discussing mostly today is going to be your second book, Rethink the Bins, because again, this is practical knowledge for everyone to do our little, you know, our little part, our parts to make the world just a little bit better. And especially for Plastic Free July, um, one of the things, again, I, I try to think I may repeat this at least once a week is that it's not about doing everything. It's about doing what you can, but also being an inspiration to others so that they will do their part. So even if you're not, again, doing every suggestion that Julius shares in the book or doing everything that you hear about us talking about um, on ZooFit about, you know, reducing your plastic waste, 
if you're just doing a couple things a day or a couple things a month, they're making a big difference. It doesn't seem significant, but it does have an impact. And, and those small changes do make a difference. Um, I, will, I will say this, um, I, if, I, if I had to sum up, rethink the bins in 10 words, <laughs> this would be my 10 words. This book is both infuriating and empowering. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Thanks, PJ. I know it can be frustrating. I can't just gloss over the problems because I don't think that's helpful at all. I think we all need to understand what is broken about the system. And then we can look at steps we can take to be part of the solution. And I'm absolutely with you on the idea of small steps add up. One person taking a tiny step might not make a big difference, but when you get thousands or millions of people doing the same, it's better than a hundred people doing it perfectly. Absolutely. And so if, if you're picking up this book and you're reading it, chapter one is probably, it's, it's the most infuriating one for me. It was, it was very frustrating. And I'm going to read a passage from it. Just it's, it, it kind of gives you an idea of where we are as a society and why, why it's so confusing. Um, Recycling bins are often filled with a mix of recyclable containers and stuff that doesn't belong. It is hard to know what to toss where, especially as best practices keep changing. There are a lot of mixed messages out there. Recycle everything you can. Recycling does no good. Don't throw that in the garbage, it's recyclable. You can't recycle that, throw that in the trash. Avoid plastic in any form. Buy compostable plastic. Always compost food waste. Never put meat or fish in the compost. Don't toss that there. But there, yeah, we are getting all these mixed messages. And so it, it can be very, very frustrating. As you said, not glossing over, but can you give us a, a little bit of a, a hint of, of where we are as a society? What, what is going on with the recycling world or in the, in the waste world right now? Again, you, people may or may not be aware that everything changed dramatically in 2018. For, before that, for about 20 years, the waste haulers in the US and Canada and in Europe, they collect all the waste, all the recyclables, they would package them up, put them into these big giant bales and ship them off to China and China paid a lot of money for them. So the people, the companies collecting the waste made money, everybody felt good that their stuff was being recycled. And what happened in 2018 was China all of a sudden said, we will no longer take the world's garbage because they started realizing that it wasn't stuff that they could make the best use out of. It maybe started with mostly bales of cardboard that they could indeed process and sell and make money on, but it started becoming vast streams of mixed recyclables mm -hmm. along with trash. I mean, the stuff that people would throw in just because, well, maybe it has some material that might be recyclable. I'm going to put it in the big blue bin. Well, again, when that suddenly changed, the market dropped out. So the waste hauling companies could no longer make a bunch of money shipping their stuff to China. As a result, they started changing the rules for what belonged in the bins and tried to tell their customers 
Well, here's exactly what you should and shouldn't put in. Just because the information is out there doesn't mean that everybody reads and understands it. So that's really part of the challenge. What I would love to see is a system where there was a market for all this stuff and everybody knew what to put where. But actually more than that, I want to see a system where we don't have that disposable plastic and so many disposable containers to begin with. One thing I want to say about plastic-free July, it doesn't mean don't interact with any plastic because in order to do so, that will be pretty much impossible. You can't use your computer. You can't use your phone. You can't even sit on the toilet. So you're going to touch plastic. You're going to be involved with it. The goal should be try not to bring more disposable plastic containers and stuff into your life. So there is a hierarchy of, the, we call them the three R's. We have re reduce, reuse, and then at the bottom, folks, is recycle. They're there in an order. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> there's sorry. A, yeah. There's <laughs> a reason for the order. Yes. <laughs> Our first and foremost goal is to reduce our waste, um, to, to not bring in more plastic bags, especially, especially single use. Now, there is a purpose for plastic. Having dealt with some medical issues with, uh, with my family, we've seen the real purpose of plastic. And again, I'm wearing uh, some AirPods right now. So is Julia. We, we're... We have bettered society. We are able to do more things because of these durable plastics that have been created. However, the single-use plastics, it, actually, it doesn't biodegrade, it, it breaks up. You know, a lot of it is going into the ocean. So we have, again, tons and tons of animals that are deeply impacted, plus coming back into our own food system. So if you're eating fish, there is a possibility that that fish has ingested plastic. So we are recycling it, but it's going back into our bodies. And so, so first thing, our first foremost thing is to again, reduce that, reduce that waste. Again, reduce that impact that this single use plastics are having on the environment, on our, on our health and our well-being, and on the planet. Talking about the fish, the fish really most likely have ingested plastic. In material value, I actually give some data that scientists collected with marine birds and how much mm -hmm. plastic was in their guts. It was just really frightening. Yes, it's upsetting to, again, a lot of us who are animal lovers to see these type of images and know that what we're doing is having an impact on animals that we love. So reducing the waste and and yeah, um, doing doing those small things that we can. Now I I also want to want to touch base. Uh, you so you talk about in rethink the bins is contaminated recycling. So this is a concept. I don't think you call it this, but this is something I've heard of called wish cycling. So oh yes, yeah. I don't think I actually use that term in my book, but it's definitely a common practice where, again, people either say, okay, let's put everything in there because it might be recyclable or just give up and say, well, wait, it's never going to go anywhere. Let's just put it all in the trash. I, I'd like to see 
a middle ground. But I'd also yes. like to generally <laughs> see people put less stuff into both the trash and the recycling. Because if you've got less, lower amounts of stuff that you've got to even deal with and sort, it's less stuff that's going to be problematic. So if your bins are overflowing, you might want to rethink how much stuff you're generating. If you're overfilling your trash and recycling bins. Yes. And so this is a really big connection to ZooFit. Not, not getting those plastic containers to begin with because most of our processed food is coming in some kind of pl plastic packaging. So for instance, this month, Plastic Free July, Oh, God help me. I am, I am not eating cheese. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is cheese. Cheese is wrapped in plastic. It and, is. and so and, and as I, I say, God help me, I love cheese. I love dairy. There's, there, this is a, this is a tough call for me. However, I have not found ways to make nut cheeses without using any plastic or using bulk items. I've found a lot of different ways to Again, make my own. So I'm reducing my waste, but it's also it's also healthier for me. So I'm choosing actually healthier options that are better for me and then uh, good for the environment. So it's not the easiest or simplest. We do like simple, but it's not necessarily the easiest or simple. But again, it's the, can you can you make this one small change that can have a better impact on the planet? Yes. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, one thing with the, so yes, the cheese, when you buy it in the store, it comes wrapped in plastic, right? Even if it's at the, the counter, if it's at the counter with the fancy cheeses there, the store is wrapping it in a saran wrap kind of thing. If it's mm -hmm. more of the standard cheeses in the deli aisle, you know, they all come wrapped from their manufacturer. But then when you open them up, you don't need any more plastic wrap to store them. So at least that's one thing, right? Mm -hmm. If, if say you have family members who, you know, would make your life so miserable if you just said no cheese for a month, you know, there's some things, I mean, if you can, great, that's a really cool idea. But if, if family harmony will totally disintegrate, if you get rid of cheese, then maybe there's another option and you can store your open cheese in a container that, is not going to use more plastic wrap or baggies right. or whatnot to store the cheese. So just, you know, there's different steps and different levels that you can try. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. I, I, I should definitely preempt all of my suggestions with th these are, this might be an extreme, this is something you can try, but it's but nothing by all means that you, you have to try this for plastic free July or, or any other time. Um, but again, I've have found those little switches, things like that, just happen to make it not just better for the planet, but also a little bit healthier for me. So getting out of those middle aisles, getting out of the cookie aisle and the chip aisle, and going and finding some some fruit. Again, right now we are entering the height of local fruit season. Berries abound, and actually we're in the middle of cherry season too. So if you can get some local cherries. We live, Julie and I live in the Pacific Northwest. You cannot beat our, our oh, they uh, are delicious our berries here. So again, switching out for those plastic packaged treats for something that's not just, not just delicious, but local and plastic free as well. Good for you. So 
there are tons of suggestions that you you give. So we could go, we could actually spend a whole whole podcast here. One your some of your great ideas that you shared are with how to reduce some of our again, not just our plastic waste, but our food scraps. Well, it's an interesting when you were talking about the fruit, one thing, and I don't believe I mentioned this in in the book because so I bought whole watermelon, but some people buy the cut up melon because it's so convenient but of course it comes in a plastic container that is not mm-hmm. recyclable whole watermelon yes it takes some time to cut it all up but you can do it you cut it all up and the other thing is even the rind is edible so what i did with really? this one you take the really ju- the good you've, you've assuming you've got a good watermelon you and you take and you cut up all the parts that's the nice juicy red delicious bits and then you've got these strips of the rind left mm-hmm. well you cut off the very dark part on the outside okay. but the rest of it that's kind of white okay it doesn't taste delicious on its own because it's not as sweet but you can use it what i did is i chopped that up and i put it in the containers in the freezer and then it'll be great for smoothies and if you try that and let's say it's not sweet enough you could always add some honey or something to make Absolutely. it sweeter if you find that the flavor of the rind isn't to your liking So that's an example. But another thing that I do is I save up scraps from like the ends of carrots, from onions. Maybe if you even, sometimes you realize you have too much produce, like, oh, wait a minute. Wow. I'm not going to eat all those onions before they go bad. You can cut them up into pieces. You freeze them and then make stock out of it. Oh, yes. So that's something I regularly do. I just pretty much never buy store-bought stock and you can just you can use uh, mushrooms are good mushroom stems are great to put in it too and you can even put like parmesan cheese rinds okay so if you do that you can make a vegetarian stock or if you're a meat eater and you've got chicken or something you save the bones bones. and then you use those to make stock so you can do it either way and it tastes good that's brilliant (laughs) And then when I make the stock, because it doesn't keep that long in the fridge, then I freeze it in ice cube trays. It's better if you freeze it in a whole big container, then you've got a big giant amount of stock. But if you freeze it in ice cube trays, then you can just use however much stock you need to thaw at the moment. Nice. That's a really, really smart idea that I never considered, but, uh, but yeah, there you go, folks. (laughs) You, the other, the other tricky thing we're getting out of the plastic realm, but a lot of the bouillons that I've seen out there have a, have ingredients that I try to avoid, like soybean oil or a lot of animal lovers. Palm oil is a big buzzword as well. So these, these are things that are typically in bouillons, which make me kind of like hold my hand back. I don't want that. But how many of us, if you're getting this, especially if you're using a lot of produce, if you're eating locally food, yeah, those ends of the onion, the carrots, the potato skins, this would make great stocks. It's a brilliant idea. And if you can, if you're able to, composting your those scraps, um, whether it's in your backyard or getting it uh, picked up, can be very helpful too. Because food in, this is incredible. I didn't realize this from Rethink the Bins. Julia shows us that food going to landfill doesn't disintegrate. What was it, an avocado? Yes, there was. And this was, this is a story that I found in the book Garbology, which is also a great book. To right. Read. Okay. Right. And basically they had ex, 
they were doing archaeology in this landfill, right? These students trying to figure out what, what was in there and learning things about it. And there was an avocado and you could tell it was avocado. And near it was a newspaper that was dated 25 years in the past. So, and the thing too is as, I mean, things will slowly degrade and it depends if they can actually get oxygen, right? If they're exposed to air in industrial composting, the stuff is kept at a proper temperature, correct amount of moisture, it gets the oxygen, it gets the, all the things that it needs in order to disintegrate and make good compost. But if you just toss it in a landfill, it gets covered up, it gets no oxygen, it is not going to degrade. But it will slowly, slowly maybe degrade over decades. And as it does, it releases methane, which is a greenhouse gas. So it's contributing to global warming. Whereas if you compost it, it's not going to do that. And then you can have compost that you can use to grow fruits and vegetables, flowers, what have you. And most people, even in this country, do not have access to curbside pickup of food waste mm -hmm. along with your yard waste in the container. However, home composting is not that difficult. It does take a little bit of practice and learning in terms of what to mix in to make a good compost. But anybody who wants to do it can, and you don't even need a huge area. I've also lived in an, in an area that we did, we did compost and it was again, just me and my landlord. She had a, a wonderful hobby farm that we both enjoyed. And so we, we composted um, our, our scraps and then, and then actually again, buried it into the garden over winter time. And folks, it works. It's really, really great. And for a lot of my listeners are, are in the zoo field, this is what a lot of zoos are doing now. They actually are composting the zoo waste. So like the poop that comes from their elephants, their rhinos, the giraffe, your herbivore animals. It makes great fertilizer that's natural, organic, and and not harmful for the soil. Actually, again, it's great for the microbes in the soil yep. that make healthier food, again, healthier body. So again, again always going full circle. Yep. Before we continue with our Zoo Notable, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. I couldn't do these Notables without them. So we'll be right back after these messages. ZooFit is a self-funded program helping others achieve success through positive training methods, but we can't do it alone. I need you, yes, you listening to us right now to help spread the word and spread the joy of positive fitness for your body, mind, and soul. Joining Patreon is an easy and affordable way to connect with me on ZooFit, support my current and future projects, and let ZooFit shine as we change people's lives so we can change the world. Join other hummingbirds like Stephanie, Liz, and Sarah, or even join Rochelle for the ZooFit tribe to earn more wisdom and bonus materials, including sneak peeks at my new books. The link for Patreon is in the description down below. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to our Zoo Notable. See, that's another thing, right? That, that food service places can do is have everything in like paper-based compostable packaging. And then everything can go all into one bin, especially like for big events. Like you think like 
these festivals yeah. that everyone's having outdoor festivals in the summertime or sporting events, or outdoor music concerts or what have you, that people are eating various food that ideally those fake folks would make all the packaging compostable, one bin, toss everything in, then someone will cart it away and make it into compost. Now, I will admit that this does kind of lead into one of my pet peeves. As a park aide during, in the state parks for a couple of years, number one gripe was we had two bins. And so we didn't have compost at the state parks, but we had trash and recycling and they were very clear. It would just throw your trash into one. And we would find water bottles in the trash bin. And again, I just I have to say that's like the most annoying because water, as you mentioned in Rethink the Bins, water bottles are one of the most recyclable items that we have. And then to, again, it's just water, folks. Just if, you, if it's not empty, just pour the water out. <laughs> it's okay and recycle it. But, um, but to see them all in the wastebasket, what that happens, and again, we have a running joke in zoos too, is that uh, many visitors don't read the signs. And so we're recycling our conversation too, folks. <laughs> recycling back to reducing your waste. So if you are, you know, if you're, if you have a family at the zoo or at the mall and you're going to get some food rather than buy each person their own meal, maybe get one meal for, for the two kids if you know that they're not going to eat the entire burger or all their fries. So again, reducing that waste is going to be key to having, having a better impact on the planet. Being at the zoo, I think this is actually the wild animal park in San Diego, which is an amazing place. But when my kids were really little, my younger one was probably two years old or something. I asked for a straw for his drink and they said, we don't have straws because the animals will choke on them. And I remember thinking, oh shoot, they don't have straws. Right now, lately, that's one of the targets is like, oh, let's get rid of plastic straws. And then that'll take care of all our problems. Well, most people don't need plastic straws, which is true. So somehow my son managed to not go thirsty and I managed to cope without a plastic straw. So even way before they were talking about, because this son is now in his twenties. This was long yes. before anybody was talking about banning plastic straws. This was when everyone still thought they were fun and wonderful, but the zoos didn't have them because it wasn't safe for the animals. So that's an interesting thing. Zoos and places like that can lead the way. I think the, the whole reusable straw thing was kind of lost to me. I'm like, I don't even need a reusable straw, folks. It just, no, we don't drink wine with the straw, so <laughs> we can't drink water without a straw. But even early in my career, our facility was a marine facility, it was an aquarium. And so we never had straws because it's a hazard for the animals in our care. And and they would even not even allow people coming into the park with any straws or balloons of it, for that matter. Um, oh, I think we should do away with balloons. <laughs> I know. I mean, they're, they can be festive and, and fun, I suppose. But hello, they are plastic. They are mm -hmm. not going to be recyclable. And if you've got them filled with helium, you take them outdoors and how many people just let go of them? And then they're going out into the atmosphere and they may very well be ending up in the oceans when they eventually deflate. A few times they've tracked them, they usually do end up, even if you're like 
inland a hundred couple hundred miles it can often lead to to the ocean or or in lakes and streams which make it to the ocean so once again making these smarter choices not just for yes we love balloons we love uh you know our our fun party decorations but there's other ways uh, instead of glitter um you can use you know uh, paper confetti uh, again small little changes that have a better impact on on the environment. It also helps educate and again inspires this next generation of like, hey, we're taking care of ourselves and we're going to take care of this wonderful, beautiful world that we have. Yeah, there's um, ways. You have a party, you can make center pieces out of live plants and make yes. them in pretty pots. And then you can even give them away. You can say, ooh, the winner at the table gets to take home the plant. Yes, and and here's another again talking about little party favors. Instead of having plastic utensils at, at your get together, uh, you could also actually buy sets of bamboo reusable utensils. So each of your party guests gets their own reusable set of of utensils, and so you reduce your waste. You're not throwing away plastic waste, and they have a wonderful party gift that they can use over and over again when they go out to eat at, at restaurants, having that ripple effect of one small action, one small is so thoughtful that it's, it, it creates a whole, whole stream of, of actions. That reminds me of another, another one of your stories that you, uh, that you share. And I'm going to again quote the, your book. So we're talking about again, what's one small action that you're taking if you stop tossing just just one action, stop tossing plastic grocery bags and recycling bin, it will force you to think about how many plastic bags you're using. Not only will you stop being part of the problem of plastic bags clogging the recycling equipment, you may choose to reduce your consumption of bags even if local laws do not force you to do so. Once you change your thinking about plastic bags, you'll probably also consider other types of household waste. So once again, that it's the, one if small you action. if you give a mouse a cookie version, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somehow something about the way you said that reminded me of that of that story. But again, the idea of start with one small thing. What's one small thing? And you know, with a lot of self improvement, is spiraling. Take one small step. It's a micro win every single time. But then you grow. You like. That becomes your new baseline. So my new baseline is I just, I don't throw plastic bags into the recycling bin. But then what do you do with them? Oh, well, I'm, you can use them for your cat litter. You can, um, but if you don't have cats, what do you do with the, you know, what do you do with these plastic bags? So then you start thinking, well, I want to reduce my waste. So maybe I'll get some canvas bags. Again, spiraling up just a little bit. There's little micro wins that then lead to something bigger and lead to something bigger. I've often, I've often said it's not about the straw. So we're, we've, we've heard, you know, on both sides, oh, get rid of all the straws. There's 500 million straws um, that are, you know, that we use every single day, regardless if that's actually true or not. And some people say, well, if everyone got rid of straws, it really wouldn't make that big of an impact. It's not about that. It's not about the straw folks. It's about the mentality around the straw. Because if you can get rid of the straw, what else, what else can you do in addition? 
and then after that, and then after that, and then soon you've changed your life and you've helped change the world. Again, this is from Anne-Marie Bonneau. She's also known as the zero waste chef. We don't need a few people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing zero waste imperfectly, doing what they can. Yeah, and I've said very much the same thing. A lot of it is about changing habits. The idea of, well, bring your reusable bags to the store. Now, of course, the COVID restrictions, which I don't want to get into why those did not make sense. Those particular ones were, talk about infuriating. I got really good over the last year and a bit at bagging my own groceries because the the checkers at the grocery stores, their bosses said, oh no, you can't touch the customer's bags. So then therefore everybody was just not bringing in their bags. I found out, oh, at some of the stores, if I bagged my own groceries, they would let me bring in my bags. But honestly, it's a pain and you feel like, oh goodness. But honestly, it does get easier as you get practice doing it. But I also realized I don't think I'd want a job. I know I would not want a job being a full-time <laughs> yes. bagger at a grocery store. However, they now do it. It's very peculiar when you get used to doing that for a year, bagging yeah. your own. And then they say, oh no, we'll do it for you. And you kind of think like, oh, oh wow. Well, thanks. That's so kind of you. Uh, today I was at the store just grabbing a couple of things and the man saw that I had my bags. And again, it's on my my brain. I, I take them to the side. He's like reaching, grabbing my bag. I'm like, no, oh, 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 you want them? <laughs> so. Now I did hear that Starbucks just recently is going to allow again, people to bring in their reusable cups. Nice. Because that's another thing. I start rethink the bins with the story of a reusable Starbucks cup. I mm-hmm. added during the editing process, this epilogue dated May, 2020, where I say, well, my reusable cups are now sitting at home because I'm not able to bring them in, but now they're just starting again. So if you happen to be a fan of Starbucks and want to bring in reusable containers for your coffee, you should be able to do that, but you can also make coffee at home, which is what I do most of the time. Right. The other big thing that I'm going to also reiterate is how do we get these businesses? How do we get these companies, corporations, how do we get them on board with using less plastic? You know, so I don't want to pick on any particular, you know, brand, but uh, cookies, we'll just make, we'll, we'll pick on cookie, the cookie industry in itself. They always come in plastic. They come in plastic trays, they come in plastic bags. And there is a point again, you can just not eat the cookies, but if that's something you really want, it's, it, there's, it's not just about like, punishing them in that sense. We're all about with Zufu, we're all about using positive reinforcement. So going back to Starbucks, we, we so often ignore the good things that people do. So go to that Starbucks and thank them profusely, like just give them positive reinforcement saying, thank you for letting us use our containers again. Because of this, I want to continue, I'm going to continue coming here. And then, Maybe they don't care if they, if they gain another customer, but that's, you know, that is something positive reinforcement that they are going to, oh, is this, this matters to, to people because they cared enough to voice it. 
Um, that is a good that is a good point. It's interesting in the pre-COVID times, sometimes if I were out and I didn't have a reusable cup with me, I would choose not to buy a drink at Starbucks. That's a good point too. Yeah. If I if I if I've left my water bottle at home for whatever reason, I definitely don't get a water bottle. I look for, you know, I would look for a water fountain if I if I absolutely needed something, something to drink. Again, going that little extra step of when you see you know, facility or a, a shop or a store that you like that is doing something that's reducing the waste, reinforce them. And then exactly. And so, yeah, you, and that's where you can vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And I don't think banning cookies is part of the whole message. <laughs> so for those people who want one, I mean, there may be, instead of getting those grocery store ones wrapped in all that stuff, Maybe there's a local bakery where they've just got them baked fresh and they just put them in a little paper bag for you and you can enjoy and you can patronize a local business and have a delicious cookie. And maybe it costs more per cookie and maybe you just have fewer cookies every month. Yes. And you're feeling good because you again, it's a special treat and you're supporting local businesses. They're probably using healthier ingredients for, for the planet. And that also reinforcing their actions and letting the food industry, letting the corporations see, oh, they, this, you know, this is important to consumers. Let's, let's change, let's change our ways. I just heard a, a story that one of the zoos, believe it, Zoo Knoxville in Tennessee is now changed a couple of their hand sanitizing stations since it's not as necessary. They still have some, but they don't need them all over. So they changed them from hand sanitizer stations to sun sunblock mm. stations. So rather than, oh, I forgot my sunblock, let me buy another plastic container of sunblock. They have those reusable, you know, they have their stations where you can just apply some sunblock to you. Again, a really great way to reuse an unnecessary item and reduce waste for consumers as well. I've again, just wanted to shop that. No, that's that. a, that's a great idea. So they already had those dispensers yes, and recognized we can provide a useful service for those folks who forgot yeah. their sunscreen. It, I do want to give you an opportunity to share. So you've got two amazing books that are just, again, helping so many people change their lives, make this world a better place. Uh, what else do you have in store for and how can people get connected with you? Yes, I encourage people to talk to me. I write a regular blog where I talk about, sometimes it has to do with recycling. I, my lat, one I posted just a few days ago talked about the weather because it was 110 degrees here. Yes. <laughs> so there was that. So sometimes it's personal stories. Sometimes it's based on stuff that I uh, just hear about, and I love to uh, to interact with my readers. My website is juliagoldsteinauthor.com. You can go there to find out about my books, take a look at the blog. There's a contact form. If you've got any questions for me, I'd love to help you on your journey. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to share with us? Last thoughts? Enjoy the month of July. <laughs> find at least one thing that you can do that has less plastic and wherever you live get outdoors every day and 
enjoy. I hope you have a, as beautiful a place to live as we do, but hopefully you find something to just look at the trees, enjoy nature, use less plastic, and there we go. Thank you. Yes, go outside, enjoy life. Uh, so Julie, I'm gonna see you this weekend. Julie's coming up to visit, not me, but she's actually gonna be spending a lot of time outdoors. Uh, Julia, you're, yeah, the Lake Wacom Triathlon. Good luck to you. Thank you. And best wishes, enjoy, enjoy this beautiful weather that we're having. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll You're see you all next time. That's all I've got for this great book. Let me know your thoughts. What big idea resonated the most with you? And how can you incorporate that into your life starting today? And share some of your favorite books that you'd love to see a Zoo Notable on. Thank you to my patrons, Rochelle, Sarah, Liz, and Stephanie. Keep working on becoming the best versions of yourselves today, tomorrow, and forever for you, your community, the animals, and the planet. Take care, and I'll see you all next time.